The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, Brian Windhorst and the Hoop Collective. My buddies, they post episodes on Tuesdays and Friday mornings, bright and early. The NBA playoffs are coming. You may have heard that, so be sure to check it out. You can follow Brian Windhorst and the Hoop Collective as well as The Low Post, wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA play-in tournament is happening May 18th through the 21st. It's a new exciting twist to determine who makes the playoffs in both conferences. The seven through 10 place teams vying for the seventh and eighth spots. Some teams are currently playing to avoid the tournament. Others are desperately trying to get in. At the end of the regular season, the seven and eighth place teams square off and the winner locked into the seventh seed. The loser plays the winner of the game between the ninth and 10th place teams. And the winner of that clinches the eighth seed. Got it? It's actually not that hard. ESPN Radio and ESPN is your home for all of the play-in drama Wednesday, May 19th and Friday, May 21st. Well, here's something interesting people to keep track of. We're excited to bring the Woj Pod and the Low Post, this silly podcast, together for a crossover virtual live show sponsored by Straight Talk Wireless. Hop on Zoom, and everything has to be Zoom still, and join us for a live recording on Monday, May 17th. That's right around the corner at 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll recap the regular season. Look forward to the playoffs and even discuss what may lie ahead in the offseason because you know Woj knows all. Registration is required. Space is limited, but it's free to join. Head over to bit.ly slash Woj and Low. That's all lowercase. That's bit.ly slash Woj and Low, all lowercase. You can submit your Q&A questions when you register to join us for our virtual live podcast, the first one ever on May 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Register now at bit.ly slash Woj and Low, all lowercase. We'll see you there. And now... The Low Post. Welcome to the Low Post podcast. We are entering the last week somehow of the 2020-2021 NBA regular season. I have no idea where the time went, but the season is over. Teams have played 70 games in what feels like 50 days to help us digest the end of that season. And to start the horrible process of naming all NBA teams. I am thrilled to welcome back for the first time in a long time the one and only Kevin Artovitz. How are you? I'm well. How are you? You're damn right you're well. I'm glad to hear it. I'm good. I'm good. Can you believe we're at the end? It just if I feel like I blinked and the season happened. It is it's really strange. It's really compressed and then you add this like weird it's Mother's Day weekend and we should be in the second round and we're kind of playing it out. It's just it's a totally warped schedule. Um and it's just kind of screwing with my head. But but we're here. Zach, we made it. Well, and we've now made it to the play-in, and I've been a play-in booster from the beginning, and I just I, – I, I love I love everything about it. I love that the Lakers and the Warriors are involved because it adds a lot of drama. But so it's not just the play-in, right? Think about the West right now. Here's what we have in the West. We have a race still after the Jazz lost in Golden State last night. We have a race for the number one seed. The Jazz are up by a game, but the Suns have the tiebreaker. Think about what the number one seed means right now. The number one seed is perhaps even more valuable than usual because if the Warriors and the Lakers meet in the first playing game, the 7-8 playing game, the number two seed is 100% guaranteed to face one of those two teams in the first round. One of those teams will get seventh. The number one seed may get the other team, but you have a shot at least of getting a Memphis or a San Antonio or whatever, right? Like a lesser, I think what we would all agree is a less dangerous opponent we still have a race for the three and the four seed between Denver and LA which is very much connected to the plane right think about this Portland's last three games are 
Let me see if I can find their schedule. Are Utah, Phoenix, and Denver. Think about those games. Phoenix could want to beat Portland badly to shove them into the play-in tournament and get the Lakers into sixth so that they're out of the play-in tournament. Denver could want to lose to Portland so that in case they're third, Denver, Portland gets sixth and the Lakers are in the play-in tournament. It's like all these competing incentives. Portland's last three games are absolutely must-watch, starting at Utah tomorrow on ESPN with, again, Utah going for the number one seed. In the East, we have... 8, 9, and 10 are still all in play between Charlotte, Indiana, and the surging Washington Wizards. Memphis and Golden State are still in play for the 8, 9 uh, in the West. It's I, I, I'm having fun. This is like, it hurts my brain a little bit, but my brain is, is still like, I like it. I like it. Yeah, look, it, it did everything it was intended to do, which was tier the standings and tier them until the final day. I mean, that, that was always the issue, right? The last five weeks of an NBA regular season were wretched, but now you have all these micro races, right? Like, as you said, the race for one is important. The race for two to three is important because now you get to be a team playing arrested, you know, hungry six seed versus a team maybe coming off of one or two, you know, coming off of a game or so you've got obviously the four or five. There's a race for six, which is vital. There's a race for eight. That is vital. There's a race for 10. And so what happens is instead of having basically you know, five teams out of 30 that are playing for something meaningful with regard to seeding or whatever, you've got like half the league has some really serious incentives to win. Um, you know, I, I think it did. There's always unintended consequences. And you and I have talked about the kind of the whack-a-mole of, of, of draft reform. But I do think it has. I, I can't, other than some some very obvious examples, you know, the tanking conversation, when it, which in and of itself is kind of corrosive has sort of been removed. And instead, we're talking about all these sort of down-ballot races. And it's just a lot of fun. I can't recall enjoying the last month of the season the way I have this year. And let's talk about Portland, LA, because that's that's the one. That's the one. Are the Lakers going to be in the play-in tournament is, is the one. Portland is 40 and 29. The Lakers are 38 and 30. Portland has the head-to-head tiebreaker, so they are effectively two games ahead of the Lakers. If Portland goes two and one in its final three games, they are uncatchable. They will be. They will finish ahead of the Lakers. By the way, all of this is assuming that the Mavericks hold on to fifth. I can't. My brain is not ready to consider the Mavericks falling back into the play-in race. But don't forget, Portland has the tiebreaker over Dallas. I think. I. I honestly, it's all written down somewhere. Yeah. I don't. Um, uh, if Portland goes two and one, they're uncatchable. If Portland goes one and two, the Lakers have to go four and zero oh to pass Portland. Four and zero oh is on the table for the Lakers with their schedule, depending on LeBron's availability. But right now, according to the projection systems I use, the Lakers are like an eighty percent bet to be the seventh seed and be in the play-in tournament. Like a week ago, eight days ago, they were an 80% bet to miss the play-in tournament, to get out of the play-in tournament, to advance out of the play-in tournament. It's wild how much these things change. But they have a real uphill battle, and they are rooting hard against Portland. And at the same time, uh, the Clippers are probably rooting very hard for for Portland because I don't think they want any part of a LeBron AD first-round series. The Battle of LA in the first round would be colossal but disappointing i think on some levels yeah and by the way as much as i love all this i i do i the next reform i want is pick your pick your playoff opponent well people are tired of hearing me say that but i think the play-in makes that a total 
but that that's easy. That's obvious because we're introducing randomness to who gets the seventh and eighth seeds. And you could have a scenario where the number one seed is staring at an opponent who, for whatever reason, is way better than a typical eighth seed. And they should absolutely have the right to pick their way out of that. Right. I mean, I mean, look, just throwing it there. Who do you have in a Utah Laker first round series with LeBron and AD? No slander. No slander, as, as LeBron would say. I mean, look, I got to see how LeBron looks mm-hmm. because now we're now we're at this we're at the stage of injury rehab where we're getting the anonymous reports of he looks. Oh my God, he looks he looks incredible. He looks. Sources say LeBron was had his hops. So sources say LeBron looked amazing. Like I believe the sources. I just like this is the this is like the cycle of injury rehab is now we've reached that point where anonymous sources are whispering about how he looked in a workout. Um, yeah, look, it's 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 going to be hard to bet against LeBron and AD when they're healthy. And Wes Matthews has given them some production lately. Gasol has given them some production lately. And I believe that he should be a part of their rotation. Taylor Horton Tucker's back. Um, I you know, boy, that would be that would be a hell of a series. I actually do think the Jazz. I don't think the Jazz are a paper tiger. Let's put it that way. I think the Jazz, if they get Mitchell and Conley back healthy, are a really really good team that is sort of at the apex of their type of team. I, I think, you know, we talked about on Get Up yesterday, who's your favorite to get out of the West? And luckily they scrapped the conversation because I have no earthly clue who the favorite is to get out of the West. And if you said Utah, I wouldn't laugh at you. I, I think their co- continuity and steadiness is an advantage. I like them a lot. You know, I, I remember an early season conversation you and I had about, you know, who, who who's their kind of, they need a third guy. And, and I think last week, <laughs> watching Bogdanovich um, from afar, sort of demonstrated just that there's they do have a lot of different ways to score that that that's kind of been our that's always been the concern the great journey of the utah jazz is how do you manufacture points and 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 for for years and years it was you know making lemonade in the in the half court right you're just going to run off all kinds of stuff and you will eventually eventually you will find something good and you have worked hard for it and there's something fulfilling about that it's gotten so much easier and and i i do really love it um i don't want to be a charlie brown in the football it's very hard history has not rewarded those of us who've picked the the jazzes the atlanta hawks of 2015 i mean they're always these even milwaukee from a couple of seasons ago they're the i i have these romantic notions of what i want a team that surprises us and sort of finds itself and 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 build something outside the conventional just break you down iso not that mitchell can't do that uh sort of basketball teams but i really feel like this one there's there's something real there that said i don't know if i have them over the lakers if lebron looks as good as he works it's hard it's hard to pick it's hard to pick against lebron james and anthony davis there's no there's like there's no like first of all royce o'neill good luck my friend in that matchup, because you're going to have a bad matchup no matter where you are. And Rudy Gobert, you're going to maybe have to guard AD for good chunks of that series. You can do it. I think he's better in the playoffs than people give him credit for. I don't think he gets, quote, played off the floor like you you see uh, on the Twitter sphere. But that's a tough matchup for them. And honestly, like, if Jamal Murray had not gotten hurt, I really think the answer to my question of if Jamal Murray had not gotten hurt in everything else in the West or as it is now, like with AD just coming back and LeBron not coming back yet, I think I my answer to the who would you pick to get out of the West question would be Denver. I, I really think this could have been Denver's year. It's not going to be Denver's year, I don't think. And by the way, this is part of the the wackiness of this season. So 
every logic would dictate, right? If you're a little skeptical of the Jazz, and I'm not saying I am, if you're a little skeptical of the Suns, and I'm not saying I am, and you're worried about the Lakers injuries, as anybody should be, logic would point you one place. Clippers. And that's the Clippers. And every time I feel like, okay, here are the Clippers, they're getting their stride. They play some shit game like they did against the Knicks where their offense bogs down. They ISO too much. And you're like, well, I don't, I can't trust this team. And in the East, every time you think, okay, here come the Bucks. They're kind of figuring it out. They're switching. They're getting it. Here comes P.J. Tucker. Boy, he looks like a football player even bigger than usual. He just got blown by, but he's pretty tough. Here comes Giannis, Drew Holiday. Blah. They go to the Spurs and get absolutely shellacked and don't look like they're connected on defense, don't look like they know when to switch, when not. Bryn Forbes gets on the court and gets lit up for 30 straight minutes, and you're like, in, in a game in which they had something to play for. And you're like, well, gee, I can't figure any of these freaking teams out, which makes for a fun – a fun. Uh, I mean, if you ask me to pick the finals right now, I, I guess I would still pick the Nets because they've been my pick since they got Harden, who hasn't played. Right. And I guess I would – I don't even know who I – I don't even know how I would begin to pick the West. No, this has always been – one. Of, I don't say it's a problem, but one of the realities of the – NBAs. It's always been very much a chalk league, except let me put an asterisk with LeBron's team sort of as the phantom one seed, irrespective of where you're seeding them because they phoned in the last six weeks of the regular season, right? Like that's been the NBA for the last couple of decades. It, it has been a, a one versus two kind of league. It just has been. Um, and what I, what's so interesting about this season, I'm really curious to see if a, this is a new normal, a function of, uh, rest and recovery and, and load management and uh, kind of capricious injuries? Or is this, is this a new normal? Is, is this work from here on out? The NBA is going to be the kind of like an NFL playoffs, right? Where, yes, there are ones and twos and, and home field advantage certainly matters. But it is not unheard of to see, you know, could we become a league where you see uh, a conference final three versus four, uh, you know, two versus uh, you know, a two versus a five in a conference final is where seeding isn't necessarily a demonstration of infallibility where, and I, and that's sort of the interesting thing. Cause as you said, I think you can make the case, Zach, that what there are eight teams, seven, eight teams that can win this championship where they're completely plausible scenarios. And we're not talking about a bubble situation, the heat last year coming out of nowhere. Um, and that's, that's unheard of. If like, if like, ghost Adam Silver from the future appeared in my office right now and was like, just so you know, Zach, Dallas is making the finals. Like Luke is going to get hot. Porzingis is going to come back and get hot. Maxi Kleba is going to shoot 60% from three for like two weeks. And the Mavs are going to make the finals. I would look at Ghost, and he just, he's just tipping me off. He's like, here's so you can get all your predictions right. The Mavs are making the finals. I would look at ghost Adam Silver from the future and be like, yeah, yeah wow, that's <laughs> – it's a little surprising, I guess. But and in the East, I mean, think about this: Milwaukee right now, after having that horrible loss in San Antonio, right now they're facing the Heat in the first round. And the Heat, after sixty-five games of like we're trying to get it together, looks like our defense is getting together. Kind of, we're figuring out our schemes, our blitzing, but you know, our offense kind of stinks, and we got guys in and out of the lineup. And all oh, the deep, blah blah blah. The Heat look like they're getting it together. Does Milwaukee want to see that ghost in the first round? The ghost of bubble defeats past then, but. Then four, five, six, that's the other race that's wide open in the East. Knicks, Hawks, Heat for four, five, six. The Knicks have the edge right now. The Hawks are surging. The Heat are surging. Like how that race ends up will be big for the Bucks. And the top of the it's 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 a lot of fun 
a lot of uncertainty though, other than the fact that Jalen Brown's injury probably torpedoes any hope for a, a Celtics sort of renaissance. I, I mean, that's you know, it's funny. We, we talk about, oh, there are X number of teams that could legitimately have a claim as being contenders. And the fact that the Boston Celtics aren't one of them is sort of an odd consequence of the season. It's been a strange, strange season. Um, I, it's, it's really, even Portland is, I mean, Portland, right when you want to give up on Portland, they come out and start hanging 130 on people and like, okay. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch and continue powering on Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay, full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Speaking of Portland, um, let's talk about uh, the subject of this podcast nominally, which is uh, my favorite and least favorite ballot exercise of the year, and that is filling out all NBA teams, uh, which is absolutely brutal year after year after year. And look, because there are so many outstanding players and you only get to pick uh, 15 of them, the league has given us unusual – well, not it's not unusual anymore, but positional flexibility so that most of the wings are eligible at guard and forward. I mean, name a wing or a wing-ish player. Uh, even Luka Doncic is, is eligible at – forward and guard and then you have wackadoo stuff like Jokic and Embiid are eligible at forward as well as center raising the possibility that you could put both of them on the first team which I actually don't think is a is a crazy thing to do and and we can talk about why um look these are really hard decisions they stink I hate the fact that some people's potential future supermaxes are dependent on this although I'm not sure who fits that criteria honestly this year last year Brad Beal was the or two years ago Brad Beal was the big case and I, and I voted for him um so let's start I guess on the first team I would argue that there are three stone cold locks on the first team do you agree do you have more do you have less and do you, can you guess who my three are I have four stone cold locks um and I certainly know that of my four are certainly your three. I don't know which of the guards is your lock and not. I mean, obviously, Jokic is the first team All-NBA center. I have Giannis Antetokounmpo at forward. Uh, and I have Lillard and Curry as my backcourt. And it was easier than I thought when I really started digging in. Um, and, and, and then we have the Embiid question. And we'll get to that. But those are sort of my four first team locks. Am I right that I have 
uh, my four encompass your three? My three are Giannis, Jokic, and Steph. Yeah, okay. That's it. Stone cold lock. No matter how you fill out your ballot, no matter how you monkey around with the positions, what do you do with them? Bead, blah, blah, blah. Those three are first team, all NBA players, and they will finish in the top four in MVP voting with Embiid. I think the top four in MVP in some order will be Jokic and then those three, depending on how people order their ballots. What's Give me the argument for Dame over Luka as the second guard on first team because I, I don't see it all that clearly um, in in Dame's advantage. I, and I have a whole spreadsheet with the advanced stats, and they're, they're very, very close in advanced stats. Um, their minutes are close. Their numbers are close. Uh, even three-point shooting is close after Dame had that little trough for about two weeks, and now he's come out of it. What's what's the argument that Dame is a lot? You know, and it's funny. It might be perception on my hand. I, I had them sort of neck and neck and then kind of – and again, this is recency bias. One of the things that is, makes this so difficult as an exercise, putting together this ballot, is how disappointed I am in myself when I get done with it. Like, you know, even like listening to you, I realize like, oh, you know, that, that's what's changed is, is the last week. Um, you know, I, I think I, again, I tend to be, um, you know, I, I, I think with, I, I, I get, I get distracted by a couple of things, right. And, and one of them is certainly sort of three point percentage in a game where that, that is just becoming all encompassing. And I think I looked at 39 versus a very league average 35, four. And again, by the way, we're now splitting hairs, right? Because because I mean, I'm literally trying to find distinctions between who is the fourth or fifth best player in basketball and who is the sixth best player in basketball. I mean, I mean, this is what we're doing here. Is, is we're, we're, no, no, no. Yeah. You're deciding which player you like and which player you hate and think stinks. That's what you're right. doing. Let's <laughs> like, like literally, like like Luca is my number three in my guard rankings, and and Dame is my number two. Um, and, and I I kind of and that's kind of probably where I went. I, I think, and there's really no. Yeah, larger but, justification yeah, but, is when I see a 35 four in a, you know, sort of in a, in a league where that has become absolutely definitive. Um, it, it, it gives me not pause, but I look at the other guy and say, Oh, Oh, oh 39. Okay. Here, here's where we are. And, and I, and I think that's probably kind of where I got, I, I, you know, when I put all my win shares of 48 Dame clears, you know, point two, Luca's a little below it. Right. You know, not little, I mean, considerably below it. Um, you know, to me, I go 519, the Mendoza line of 60% true shooting. Dame is over it. Luca's under it. Now, obviously, this doesn't speak to what Luca can do to control a basketball game in a way that even Dame can't. And, and so there's your rebuttal. And if you said to me, hey, look, <laughs> we're talking about the, ad, ad, the advantage of size. You're talking about the ability to pressure defenses with that combination of size and speed. And Kevin, don't tell me for a second that a possession controlled by Luka Doncic isn't more just urgent and precarious to a defense than it is by Lillard, who granted can step back and pull up from 31 feet. You're crazy. I'd say you're absolutely right. But I just sort of when I start going to the individual numbers and just saw that 60% for me as a first team number at true shooting is sort of a weird, arbitrary, I can't defend it, but it's just sort of one of those Oliver Wendell Holmes, I know it when I see it kind of factors that I look at. Yeah, look, there there are no wrong answers to this question. Actually, it's Potter think- Stewart. I think I got my, 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 I got my chief justice wrong. Sorry. About pornography yes, or exactly. obscenity, yeah, right? Obscenity, obscenity. right. So I, I um, the minute I said it, I realized I had it wrong. Okay. 
Um, I, the Luca Dame thing is endlessly interesting, and and it's not to it. I don't like pitting them against each other. They are inevitably going to be pitted against each other for this spot, and also I think for maybe the number five spot on a lot of MVP ballots because I do think the top four will be Jokic, Curry, Giannis, and Bead in some order. Um, and I look, there's no wrong answers. The advanced stats, I have them all right here. Neck and neck. You mentioned ones that Dame's ahead in. I could mention ones like 538's mumbo jumbo that, that Luca's ahead in. You know, it just, it, it comes down to sometimes a matter of taste. Like, do you like the size and the passing or do you like the better three point shooting? Neither of them is doing much on defense. Although I think Dame is a little, a little worse on that end than Luca is just because of his size. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hit or miss. And I look, one's going to be first team. One's going to be second team. It's all a wonderful honor. I'm more curious. I'm more curious about your second forward spot. And by the way, if you want to get funky, you can put Steph, Dame, and Luca all on the first team. If you don't have a strong feeling about a second forward next to Giannis, you could make Luca a forward because he's eligible there. And I think some people are going to do that. I might do that. I'm not yeah, sure. I, I, and this is so. This is the the big question. And and let me just zoom out for a second. We have the games played issue. And it, we talk about it incessantly. I, it's, it's a very uninteresting conversation, yet it's vital when considering what the hell you're going to do on this ballot. You know, and it, it starts way down with Harden and LeBron and, and in the 40s. But then you have this sort of collection of players that include Joel, Jimmy, Kyrie, Kawhi, Paul George. Ben Simmons is at 55 and, and Zach Levine at 56. Is there a cutoff? Um, does Does as good as Embiid has been, do I put him on the first team? And actually, one of the reasons I, I'm I, – and what I was going to say is is the option is I do that by dropping Embiid to second-team center rather than putting him at forward. I get Luka on that forward spot, which is what I would like to do. Now, what that means is I'm dropping Bam out of bio for my third-team center. But in the process, I also get to get to one additional one of my on-the-bubble wings – that I'm having a really hard time for the third team. So that's what I'm inclined to do. And, and yet, how do I leave Bam off my ballot, Zach, when he's actually had a better year than he had last year when he was my third team center? So well, I don't think I don't think Bam is making yeah, it, it if you don't if if you don't have Jokic and Embiid together. Right. I think if Jokic and Embiid are one and two, Gobert will be exactly, three and, and that's what I do. It. So it's so funny. One of the crazy things about this exercise is I'm not even arguing Embiid as much as I'm saying would I rather keep a spot warm for whoever of Beal, Simmons, Levine, Booker, you know, I might have to leave off and just dump Bam. And my answer is, of course I would, because as much as I love Bam Adebayo, like I'm not going to I'm not going to deny Luca's first team spot yet. At the end of the day, like Bam's had a really good season. I don't want to get to third team yet, but everything these aren't isolated conversations, right? Like whether you put Embiid at first team forward impacts what you're doing at third team center. And so that's why I'm having that conversation. I think you've nailed why some people are going to be there. There are lots of reasons why some people are going to be hesitant to put both Jokic and Embiid on the first team. Right. As much as you love positional flexibility, the NBA has not made that universal across the ballot. Gobert is only eligible at center, for instance. He's not eligible at forward. And it does feel like listing Luka as a forward to me doesn't feel like cheating because he's a point guard slash point forward slash whatever. He he defends a lot of forwards. Like He's 6'8". He's the size of a forward. It doesn't feel like cheating. Embiid as a forward is like... I feel a little icky about it. And then it opens up that third team center spot. And look, Bam it would be probably be my choice. I think there's a very interesting Bam, Sabonis, Vucevic, Capella debate. Um, 
But in the end, I, I do feel more passionate about some of the forwards and guards than I do about putting those guys on all NBA. So, but I think what we're what we're really zooming out to get at is Kawhi's grip on the second forward spot has has loosened a little bit in the last month as he's missed games and he's in a little bit of a shooting slump. And what looked like Kawhi Leonard in pen next to Giannis has become a little bit blurry. And you can make the argument to slide Luka there. You can make the argument to slide Embiid there. And I think, honestly, the single most under-the-radar argument for first-team All-NBA at forward where he is eligible is Jimmy Butler. Mm -hmm. If you look at Jimmy Butler's stats, they are off-the-charts good. He has better advanced stats than Kawhi. Um, He has the same amount of minutes as Kawhi, so he faces a little bit of a minutes-games-missed obstacle defensively we know what he is his assists his passing all that um he has had I said it last week he's had the most underappreciated under the radar great season in the NBA I he's going to if he doesn't make an all NBA team of of some stripe it's a problem I think I'm going to probably put him on second team I third team is his floor for me I think I'm probably going to put him on second team I think he has a case to take the the second the, the last first team spot as a forward. I, I think he has a real case. I still would probably lean to Kawhi. I'm going to watch the last week of the season, but I, I, I don't think that's, I, I, I think he has a real case, frankly. Uh, he's no lower than second team for me. Um, I, I'm reluctant to put, and again, this goes back to the games played thing. I'm reluctant to put either on the first team for the same reason. If I don't, in other words, if I don't put in bead, it's because, not so much, oh, it'd be cheating, even though I've never seen him play forward this season. I, has he been on the floor with Dwight? Six, Sixers fans pointed out that in the one game that they had like half a team. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, he played right. He so, played some four next So to Dwight. me, if I'm not putting Embiid at, at first team, it means I'm probably not putting Kawhi. I'm not putting Jimmy because it's a games played issue. And again, well, you, you, just made the, you just made the case for Luka. I'm going to take advantage of this flexibility. And give it to Luca. Like, like to me, it's Embiid or Luca. And but I'm not putting Jimmy any lower than second. What you said, it is astounding how good this guy is. And you know, it's funny. I get a lot of crap because uh, from the listeners because I'm a true shooting guy. Like, it's just a place I tend to my eyes tend to go when I'm doing those basketball uh, stat head reference comps. It's just a it's a column where I float. Like the fact that the guy cannot shoot a basketball from beyond 23 feet, and yet. Zach, Zach, like the guys shooting, like as a true shooting percentage of what above sixty percent. Let let me put it in perspective. How is that even? I was trying to figure out the math on that the other day. How do you have a shooting percentage, true shooting percentage of above sixty percent when you're not a center and you shoot the three ball at what? What is he at twenty percent? On two, like it's it's legitimately shocking. I don't even know how the actually. I'm sh- looking for when he shoots a three. I almost sent it off for, for for copy editing. Like this cannot mathematically be possible. It's shocking when he shoots three, which means he's probably going to shoot like fifty percent on five threes a game in the playoffs, like he did last year. Let me put it in perspective. I have this nerd spreadsheet. I call it my nerd. It's literally nerd MVP 2021. It's just for perspective. It's not my you. It's not my be all end all. I just like to have it for perspective, along with my eyes and my brain, and my laptop where I watch games. And it adds up. I have every main advanced stat. And then I have a column where it adds them all up. And then I have another column where it adds them all up, but it takes away PER because PER is such a huge number. Here's the rankings when you do that. 
Jokic by so far that it's it's bonkers. Embiid, Curry, Giannis, Butler. That's the rankings. Ahead of Kawhi, ahead of Luka, ahead of Dame, ahead of LeBron. If you take out PER, which for a player like it's the same, it's Jokic, Steph, Embiid, Giannis Butler. He's he's that's how good. Wait, where's he's Zion been. for you? Not in all. Oh, he's he's going to make all NBA. He's just not on this. Oh, I'm surprised he's not this on that spreadsheet because he's just a monster. This is my all in. This is my MVP oh, okay, only okay, okay. candidates gotcha. spreadsheet. Um, uh, that's how good Jimmy Butler has been. And how do you have a true shooting percentage like that? You make all your twos and you get to the line all the time. And aside from all of that, all the stuff he does that shows up, he's just a, he is a walking winning play. And some people hate the phrase winning play because like, what's a winning play? A basket's a winning play. A dunk's a winning play. I'm just talking about tip out offensive rebounds, defensive switches and rotations that happen perfectly on time that snuff out emergencies. Uh, uh, little bruising screens and cuts that randomly sort of enliven a Miami possession that doesn't appear to be going anywhere, that open up a little two-foot window for somebody else to do something. A nod to Duncan Robinson to cut here instead of there. The guy is a walking, winning play in addition to 22-8-8 eight, and eight or whatever his raw number you know, is. You know, I started watching with Jimmy when he came back was how he's cognizant of the fact that he's a little bit of a liability Um from a stretch and spacing standpoint and the fact that he's cognizant of it and he makes those movements watching him on the weak side when he when he's when he's off ball on offense sort of note when the defense is sort of cheating off him and saying no 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 screw you you're not gonna you're not gonna hurt this team that I'm playing on by you know not guarding me from distance I'm moving like it's amazing this is the most self-aware basketball player on the planet right now. And, and I just – he's no lower than second team for me, but I'm having trouble first team just, again, because it's a games played issue for me. If I'm not putting in bead, then I can't put Jimmy. Right, and I can – I can you can manip- – like, for instance, my, my, my two teams, I can have the same 15 guys regardless of what I do with the, the Dame, yeah. Luca forward conundrum on the first team. Um, okay, so that that's – that. Last forward spot on the first team is sort of the pivot point, I think, for all NBA. Let's go to um, – so your first team tentatively would have been – let me see if I can do it. Steph, Dame, Luka, Giannis, Jokic? Yeah, and again, I'm still I'm still thinking about – Tentatively. Right, like I just – I so love what Joel's done this season. And I'm having – like that's the big pivot point is, is do I put him at forward? But I almost don't want to do it again because by if I drop him – I honor the games played thing, and I also get another spot for one of the wings, and I'm having a real trouble because there's so many good candidates. And as much as I love Bam, I don't feel compelled to put Bam as my third team center. So it's funny. Joel is very much connected to Bam, and hey, how much torture is it to leave one of these guys off my third team? And we'll get down to that in a, in a few minutes. So, but so I'm probably yeah. going with Luca, but I still am holding out sort of. I, I want to tip my cap to Joel, and I really wanted to get him on the first team. I just the games played thing might, might keep me. My tentative first team is Steph, Luka, Giannis, Jokic, question mark, with the question mark being Kawhi, Dame, Butler, one of those two. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. 
call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Second team to me, um, you know, whoever doesn't make that first team is is a lock, obviously, for the second team. So pick two of Dame, Butler, Kawhi at whatever position you want. Then I have Chris Paul as a lock yep. for second Same, team. Same, so do I. And Embiid as a lock for second team, which opens up probably one forward spot. So so you have you have CP, Butler, Embiid. Who else? All right, so here, here's my – and then I'm now working off of Doncic probably as my forward, right? Is My second team is Chris Paul, Locke. Um, Butler, if Doncic is up. Um, Joel at center. Kawhi. And then um, one of either, probably at the forward spot, Zion Williamson, Julius Randle, or Paul George. Let me let me stop you for a second. Then, are you not going to put LeBron on any All NBA? I teams? haven't decided. I just what am I doing at forty three games now? If I look at him, do I have to look at James Harden's forty some odd games? I don't know. No, you know why you don't. You know why you don't because because LeBron has already played I think two hundred more minutes than James and right eight of LeBron eight of G, I think James has played forty two games. Eight of them were. Let me get the fuck out of Houston games, right. and so I'm not even counting. No, no, and again, so to I, me, James Harden has played 34 games this season for all NBA. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know what I'm doing. LeBron is a third team contender again. This is one of the reasons I might drop Embiid is so I can get another, so I can move, you know, go bear or, or down to down to third, and then give one of these forward spots. LeBron is in the mix. I just am I supposed to do this blind? Am I supposed to do this? Hey. Player A, player B, player C, player D, player E. If I'm doing that, I don't see LeBron makes it. Let's just be honest. I mean, he's got 43 games. I'm not giving anybody else consideration at that level, right? Am I, or am I sentient human is going to take into account legacy, contribution, incumbency, LeBronness in in its totality, right? Like I'm having trouble with that, man. And I actually, one of the reasons I'm happy we're having this conversation this morning is because I need your help. Like, I don't know what to do about LeBron. But he's not on my second team. Let's just say he's not on my second team. My second team last forward spot will go to either Paul George, Julius Randle, or Zion Williamson. With my other second team being Paul Butler at guard, Leonard at forward, and Joel Embiid at center. So I have room on my teams for all of the guys you just mentioned. Paul George, I can make a guard if I want to to get him on the team, and I think he deserves a third-team spot. Probably. Probably. Who's your second team? Or, or you got? Well, I'm yeah. just I'm just saying I have all the guys you mentioned. I think like I think Zion will make an All NBA team. I yeah. think Randall deserves a spot on an All NBA team probably, and will be a third team guy, um, depending on what happens with Bron. So here's the thing with Bron. 
He's played, I think, seven fewer games than Butler, for instance, 43 and 50, I think is where they are right now. Right. Um, let, let's say he finishes with 46. Let's say LeBron plays three of the last four Lakers games. There's two of the last four, 45 games. Is that enough? 45 out of 72? So he's, you know, proportionally whatever, 60% of the season, 65% of the season. You know, and your your point about Harden is fair. Like, how are why are we punishing quote unquote Harden for playing about the same number of games? Even though I think his again his first tenth of his first eighth of the season is sort of distinct and shouldn't count. Um, well, look, we know that LeBron is the best player. LeBron was in some quarters the MVP before he got injured, having a, a scintillating two way season. The Lakers were a top seed or near the top. I don't remember exactly where they were. And I think it's okay for there to be like a, he's LeBron James exception to some of these semi rules, especially when he's going to sniff 45, 46 games, like in a weird pandemic season, he's LeBron James. I think he should make all NBA because it just feels dumb to not have LeBron James on your all NBA team. Will he be, I think, I think he has a case for second team, frankly, because he was so overwhelmingly great when he played uh, and his team was so overwhelmingly great when he played against, you know, compared to some of these other guys. Um, but if you want to put him on the third team, that's fine. I, I just think LeBron belongs on an All-NBA right. team. He won't be on a, on a second team for me. The argument I'm – so here, here are a couple games I'm playing with myself. One is, you know, when you go to the NBA RPM, and, and it's still a work in progress as a metric, and I think um, our practitioners would even recognize that. There's a column called wins, which adds up sort of not this is not a per game stat. This is actually just you, you aggregate all the contribution. He's still ranked sixth behind Steph Rudy. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm, so that's so, what so, I'm so that's he was that good. Right. He's that and good. And so that's why I'm probably and, and and you know, the other game I'm playing myself as well, if they can avo- if he comes back and they avoid the play in tournament. Right? Like and he is the reason, presumably if they if he does come back and they do avoid it, we, we will credit him. Then, then that gives me that gives me clearance as if I need clearance because he's LeBron James. So I mean that's the issue I'm having. But I, you know, you don't need clearance. Right. All NBA is different than MVP, and I've right. said this all the time. MVP, the minutes thing to me is crucial because you're talking about adding value right. throughout the whole season. All NBA, the minutes thing is important. Like Randall having played literally a thousand more minutes than LeBron James, literally 1000 minutes more than LeBron James. That should matter. But all NBA to me is closer to with a, some minimum threshold of games played that is less than the MVP. It's closer to just who's the best guy than MVP is. I've always approached the voting for these awards differently uh, and distinctly. And, and so I think, if you want to put, I might put LeBron second team, honestly, like he's LeBron James and, and and his statistics are overwhelming, even in a limited number of games played. I might put him on second team anyway. Right. I mean, look, the answer is, is if I put LeBron on, I'm keeping off someone really good uh, who might very well be Julius Randle. I mean, and which just breaks my heart. How do I leave Julius Randle off this ballot? Well, I mean, and so, so these are the questions I'm having. And if I'm, and, and I appreciate, I, by and large, I agree with you value, um, is is in the very definition. It, it is in the title of the of the aforementioned award. Whereas all NBA is something else. But I, I also feel like there got. I mean, isn't there some kind of Iron Man um, sort of prize? I mean, shouldn't Julius get 
some nod that by virtue of his presence, his durability, his day in, day out excellence, this crappy Knicks roster yeah, is like you know like what, host you know of game is? one. Like, I mean, that's, you know, and I, well, I don't, yeah. I don't think the roster's that crappy. And second of all, yes, he'll get a reward. His reward will be seventh place in MVP and probably third team all NBA with an outside shot at second. And you know what? If you told Julius Randle six months ago, hey, man, you're going to make third team all NBA. If you told Julius Randle's agents at CAA, yo, he's got a non-guaranteed contract for 21-22 and he's going to make third team all NBA, they would have been like, where's the champagne? I know we keep the champagne in here somewhere and it's damn fine champagne because it's CAA. Let's bust it out. So, like, let's not act as if third team all NBA for Julius well, Randle. My point is, is if deal. I put LeBron, I might not have room for Randle. I mean, that's, that's, you can, it depends what you do. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll see. So I'm still at Paul George, Julius Randall and Zion Williamson as my sort of second team forwards with an understanding that if LeBron makes it, it's going to be as a third team. Um, not because I think he's below the 10th best player in the league when he's active this season, but because again, I need to, I need to have some consideration for games played some. So one version of my first team, one version, not the final version, because I don't got to vote for six more days, I think. I better not Mm -hmm. miss the deadline, and I better not vote for Seth Curry by accident, although he's had a wonderful season. Uh, My first team, one version of it would be Steph, Luka, Giannis, Kawhi, Yoga. Just one version. The second team. I'm sorry, say that again. The second, Steph, Luka, Giannis, Kawhi, Yoga. The second team pivoting off of that version could be Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid. Could be. Could also be Randall in for LeBron. LeBron goes to third team. Could also be Zion in for LeBron. LeBron goes to the third team. Either way, right now, my forwards, six forwards, in that scenario where I don't move Luka to forward, are Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, Butler, Zion, and Randall. In some order, in some distribution. Right now, I have Zion and Randall on on third team All-NBA. I just think Zion's numbers are completely undeniable. The guy is, shoots a gazillion percent in the paint. There is nothing you can do other than foul him. And and I think Randall, <clears throat> look, Randall's going to kick somebody really good off this team. So you don't have Paul George? Gonna, no, I have Paul George as a guard probably okay. on my okay. third team. But but whatever you do, whether it's Paul George or if you move Paul George to guard, that means somebody like Kyrie or Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker or James Harden, or Ben Simmons, or Drew Holiday, is not going to make All-NBA. And I just think Julius Randle, we know what the numbers are. You know, it's like 24-11-6, 42% from three. He makes everything they do go. Yes. He leads the league in minutes. I think, is he better than Donovan Mitchell? Devin Booker, Kyrie Irving, it, Jason Tatum, who's who's been a little up and down this year but deserves mention, is he quote-unquote better than those guys? Am I picking him in a draft of those guys for the next three years, maybe even for next year? Probably not, but I think this year he's been as good or better than those guys, and I think he's deserving. I mean, it's this is where it gets really hard Um, because, you know, you always can push guys down. Now the rubber hits the road because I now have literally 10 to 11 names for four positions. Um, remaining on the third team with Rudy is kind of locked in as my center. It's um. Let me just throw names at you. Throw names. I, I have Rudy also lo- not locked in, but I have, I have Rudy Gobert, yeah. heavy favorite for third team center. You got you, you have you do have to take 
Utah's team success Absolutely. into account. And the fact that he's been healthy the whole year, whereas their guards are now injured, and he is the he it, all of their perimeter play. None of them are are replaceable, but they have overlapping skill sets to some degree. Gobert is irreplaceable. The structure of their team doesn't crumble without him, but it it wobbles to the point that you're not you're no longer a contender without him. I mean, he, level of impact, possession to possession, is just enormous. Um, and I'm with you. Like I don't, I can't leave Rudy off of this team, uh, off this ballot. I, I'm just not going to. Uh, and again, the center position still being viable kind of still invites his thing, especially if I'm moving him be second. So for these last four positions, two guards, two fours, I, I can throw, I mean, as many as 11 names at you. Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, Zach Levine, who I want to speak about. Oh, I should, I should have mentioned Levine's name. I didn't mention, to be clear, I didn't mention Beal's name in my whole smorgasbord because I'm leaning to putting him on. So yeah. that's why he wasn't mentioned as a potentially hurt feelings guy. Levine should have been mentioned too. Yeah, yeah. Beal, Simmons, Levine, Booker. Look, Kyrie. Um, Drew Holiday, who I'm in the tank with, probably isn't going to be on my team. But, boy, it would be great if I could have, like, like a slot that says Drew Holiday, who's going to be your third team, Drew Holiday. It would be Drew Holiday. Um, yeah, Donovan. And then whoever's left over from the LeBron, Zion, Julius, PG conversation. So I basically have as many as 10 or 11 It's people. really hard. It's always it's really, really, you, really. You know, in, in a lot of ways, I was going to say, can you imagine how hard it would be if like Durant had been healthy all year oh and Davis would have been healthy all year? It actually would have been easier. <laughs> Those guys just get spots and these other guys don't. Oh, by the way, I mean, can we just say that if Kyrie plays 10 or 12 more games, I mean, is anyone leaving him off? Like, I mean, I, I just, it's, it's really hard to to do this. I, I want to talk about Levine, who, who, who is really, because he's easy to leave off if you want to, because Chicago is not very good. Because he's Mr. Empty Calorie Zach Levine. Like that's well, who we've always known him as for 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 years, right? And yet one of the reasons I really want to find a place on this ballot, Zach, for Zach Levine, is I want to take yes for an answer. You know, what we do is we say, why is this guy if this guy could only eliminate the two or three worst shots he takes all night, if he could only play without blinders on, if he could learn how efficiency can inform good decision making, right? And what does this guy go out and do this season? Like, do you know that he is a fifty seven percent two point shooter? He is a forty one percent three point shooter. He is getting to the line, not at Booker rates, but but it it, it you know, seven per hundred possession. Like he's learned how not to be a complete moron defensively. Like he has become the ball player that we've always been said, well, Zach Levine, if you'd only play this way, maybe we'd consider you among the ranks of the elite. And so I just feel like as an award voter, like it's incumbent upon me to take yes for an answer, to look at a guy's body of work, look how he's adjusted his game to contemporary realities of the NBA to shoring up his weaknesses and learning to be a better teammate on the floor, better decision maker. Um, and I just feel like there should be some recognition for that. And it's very hard to look at these numbers and say that this is not a third team all NBA guard. I'm not there yet, but I'm just like, he's, I, I have him ahead of Booker and it's going to upset a lot of people probably because of, and I love Devin Booker's game, but I, I do have him ahead of Devin right now in my rankings. And, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I want to find a place for him, Zach. The advanced stats for Booker are, are in comparison to these other guys, not good and make no case for him. Now I think they're underselling him. I can't figure out why I'm a huge Devin Booker fan as any Phoenix Suns fan who's read or listened to me would know. 
I just think when they're all those advanced numbers are shouting, he's below this conversation a little bit, mm-hmm. when all of them in unison are shouting that, I, I think you have to listen a little bit. And again, when you're splitting hairs, you know, you just have to split them somewhere. So I, I don't have him. I think he has a fine case. It's just not a case for me. I'm a little worried about you, Kevin. Do you know why? Why? I have a friend, a non-basketball friend, I actually have non-basketball friends, um, who sometimes texts me like inspirational Instagram me like things like posts. It's good. And, and what, and, and I will I, never do that. Trust me. And, I will but never I, do that. I, I laugh at all of them. Um, I want to take yes for an answer. Sounds like something this person would text me. It sounds like I, it sounds like a poster in somebody's room that I would judge if I, I want to take yes for it today. I'm taking yes today for a change. I'm taking yes for an answer. I just, I'm a little worried. That seems a little Instagram hokey to me. Nah, I like it, hokey. but it's like, it's, it's, you know what? It's, it's, it's like, a, Zach, it's sports it's, is hokey. Sports is hokey. That's why we're in, like, it is by definition, all of the conventions of sports, the triumph over adversity, the, you know, sort of learning from your mistakes, sports and basketball are hokey. So I, this is one of the reasons I like my job is I get to be a cynical bastard in the rest of my life. But when I come to the job, I get to be a little schmaltzy because sports lends itself to that. Listen. I'm maybe for the rest of it's noon East Coast time. What does it even mean to take yes for an answer? If I want to live that coda for the rest of the day, does that mean if my daughter asks me for candy, I say I take I say yes? I don't I want to take yes. I want to live by this coda for eight hours and see how it feels to be a positive person. I want to take yes for an answer. No, no, no. It it says when you have been offering persistent critiques of a person system. Uh, whatever it is, like, hey, I'd give this person app consideration. I'd watch this show if it did this better. Um, I'd be more into this author if 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 they stop this bad habit. Um, and then they do it. They stop the bad habit. They conform to the critique. You can't come back and say, well, you're still Zach Levine, who's kind of a ball hog, empty calories guy. That's what yesterday. Thinking yes or an answer means you've leveled critiques and criticisms against a person, entity, thing, or idea. That person, thing, entity, idea has corrected itself, and then you have to give that consideration. You have to recognize it. That's what taking yes for an answer is. Well, damn it, I'm going to take yes for an answer and something. I don't know what it will be. Um, I, I think Levine also suffers from the recency effect of. He just went out at the worst possible time, not only for the All-NBA race, but for the Bulls who have fallen um, to the fringes of the play-in race after making a trade that suggested we are all in for the ninth seed, baby, and they don't look like they're going to get there. I think that that perception-wise, again, when we're splitting hairs and all these guys kind of look the same statistically and they all have got a little flaw here and a little plus here, I think, th- I think that hurts them. But I, those look, you can pick any of those players, any of them. And I would not have a huge, a huge case for or against. I mean, everybody you named, even Drew Holiday, Kyrie Irving. I mean, it, it just—it's hard to know what to do, right? I mean, fifty-one right. games. We're talking about LeBron played forty-three. Fifty-one games. Jimmy played fifty. Twenty-seven and six on fifty, thirty-nine, fifty-six from two shooting. <laughs> just ludicrously efficient. That's insane. And you want to say, yeah, but how can I? How can he be the only net? when he's the third best net, but the other two nets haven't played very much. Sometimes he's been the second best net. A lot of times he's been the number two net and a lot of times he's been the number one and only net. 
So his his candidacy, if you want to put him third team, I'm all that's fine. I, I don't know if he's going to make my third. How am I supposed to distinguish between him and Brad Beal, who's neck and neck with Steph Curry for the scoring lead, and has for most of, look Russ has all the momentum right now. I frankly don't think Russ has an All NBA case, but he's been playing really well and he's getting all the buzz because of the triple double record, and he should. But Beal has been the consistent force all year long, and when you watch him play. As great as Russ is, nobody's guarding him when he doesn't have the ball. So Brad Beal gets the ball, and it's just like, well, they're not guarding Alex Len. They're not guarding Russell Westbrook. They're not guarding – maybe they're kind of guarding Rui Hachimura if he's playing. They're not guarding Anthony Gill, whoever that is. They're not guarding, you know, uh, uh, Avdia, who's injured. They're not, and, and he's just navigating this morass of people and pouring in 31 a game and keeping that team afloat. It's a Herculean effort in in, in – I you know, I, it's hard to ignore. It's hard to ignore. You can quibble with his defense. I can quibble with Kyrie's defense. And quibble with any of these. It's it's hard to it, it's hard to ignore. Well, let's talk about a guy on my list, and and this is what's so interesting about this guy is it's we're having a different conversation. That's Ben Simmons, right? Because it is easy to look at offensively minded players, line them up, look at their whatever whatever floats your boat. If you're to shooting or whatever it is, and then you have Ben, right? Who's a completely different species who affects the game so differently. You know, I want to get Beal, Simmons, and Levine on all three on my roster. I'm probably only going to be able to get two, um, especially if I'm going to include LeBron, which I'd like to do, um, and Julius and, and Zion. But where are you putting, where's Simmons in your discussion, especially given the Sixers' success? Yeah, I just, you know, he again, he's a hard player to parse. I think he's a defensive player of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the most versatile defensive player in the NBA. I, I do think, and and, and uh, his offensive contributions are bigger than even, I mean, they're, are they bigger than his numbers? Because he gets assists. I mean, but he fuels their transition game. He fuels their three-point attack. He gets open looks for everybody. I just feel like when I'm comparing him to these guys who have done so much offensively, when I look at the numbers that say the Sixers are outscored when he, when they play Simmons without Embiid, and I think they're outscored in the opposite yeah. scenario, to, to be fair to him. You know, there's just – he's taken 10 shots a game, 14 a game. The, set, the seven assists are also down but nice. <clears throat> I just think he's crossed below some threshold where I, I just need to see a little bit more, and there have been entire months – two weeks of the season where you're like he, he's doing the thing again, where it looks like he doesn't want to get fouled where he's just not aggressive enough. And then he'll have another two weeks where it's like, get me to the line. I'm confident at the line. Now I want to shoot. It's just been a little too much up and down for me to put him quite, uh, quite on an all NBA team. And by the way, before the Ben Simmons hive comes out and says, you hate Ben Simmons. I had, I had Ben Simmons third team all NBA last year. I just think the competition's a little stiffer this year, and I, I think his offense. You know, look, they have guys who can do more offensively. Seth Curry, Tobias Harris has had a wonderful season. I for some, he's he's just he's just not going to make it for me. Yeah, and it's it, the reason I think he's not going to make it for me is exactly what you said in that I can reward him with the all defensive ballot in a way that I can't recognize. T- to the extent that you now look at the all NBA exercise we're doing in the larger context of. It's one award on that much larger ballot. Can I find a place to honor his contributions? And the answer is, damn hell, I can. I can put him like in the top three for Depoy or certainly first team All-NBA guard defensively. And so that's probably – and it's kind of unfair 
because obviously I'm, I can't do that with, with Levine and Beal, who are probably my two favorites um, and probably the guys who I do end up on third team. And I just kind of talk myself into Levine. Like, I just feel like there's a statement to be made about well, you. You said yes. Time. You said yes. I'm to the taking dress. yes for an answer. Um, and uh, th- there should be bull shirts. Take yes for an answer. Like Zach Levine's mug on it. Um, so let me, you know, we haven't, I want to hear about your forward morass because my forward morass is just, again, I've talked to you about it. Like I, well, PG, I, I, Randall, I Williams, you, and James. I told James. you my six. I have, I have Giannis, Kawhi. Tentative, tentatively. Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, Butler, um, Zion and Randall because I have Paul George as a guard. And I do think Paul George belongs on an all NBA team. I think, I think whatever way you got to finagle the positions, I think his two way play um, justifies an all NBA spot. All right. So you don't have Beal or Levine then? No, I have Beal as right. I right now would lean Beal as my second guard on third team. So my guards in this construction would be Steph, Luca, Chris, Paul, Dame, Paul George Beal with Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Kyrie, Tatum, Drew Harden, Simmons just left off. Yeah. Okay. Um, this yeah, is again, yeah. this is just a construction I'm toying with. I have other constructions. So what what basically the difference between you and me is by getting Levine on my ballot, I have to lose either George, Paul George, Randall, Zion, and LeBron. Yeah. You want to yeah, help I, me I rank? All, I think yeah. all those guys are better than have been better than Levine. Hmm. I know I, I had Zach Levine on an all star t- my all star roster this year. No, so no, I know, I, I know. I think he's been great. I just think as two way players, those guys have been better than Levine for teams that are ahead of Levine's team in the standings. So if I want Levine, I probably have to lose LeBron. Good luck with that. Good <laughs> luck with that. Incoming call from Clutch Sports. Oh man, this ballot, this ballot. Oh, this is just awful. It's I have, I'm down, but I've gotten it down to 16 from like 21. So, I mean, this is good. I just, but I'm at 16 and they're only 15. There should just be the LeBron slot. See, that, that's what they should just do. Just have like, like fourth team, alpha team, first team, second team, third team, alpha team. There's one guy on it. His name is LeBron James. You don't have to, it's like a free bingo card, the middle. You just like, that's, you got it. It's there. They should just, they should, that's what they should do. Do old people still play bingo? What's oh, yeah. The, what's the appeal of bingo? You just turn, you get to turn your brain off. Like there's no. It, it's. I'll tell you the appeal is you're living in northern New Mexico for the summer, and like it's 1993 and it's quiet and there's only like you have your kind of it just for a change of pace. You kind of drive up north of Española from Santa Fe, and there's a reservation and there's this vast airplane hangar, and you walk in, you buy a blotter. So it's like this thing that you just. Oh, I like, like those things. Yeah, those yeah, are fun. Yeah, the blotter, and you get like a stack of cards, and they got beer, and mm, okay. it's just it's it's just a way. It's a pleasant way to spend a Monday night in 1990. I mean, this is what, what I did. You, what like, do you win? Do you win money at typical bingo games? I think there was like I think small cash prizes. Sure, uh, there might be gift certificates. I, I I don't know, but it's um older crowd, uh, and it's just a uh, slice of America. It's just it's great. It's a very relaxing way to spend ninety minutes to two hours. Okay, wow, that night. was that was a pretty. I did no. not expect a, that no, passionate I, a, a defense of bingo. No, no, I waited tables the summer of '93 in Santa Fe, like when I was in college, and just sort of like robot. It was just kind of a beautiful last unadulterated summer of my life, and that was just like something we would do like on Monday nights. Like, let's go play bingo. You know, let's drive up to Espanol and play bingo, and that was just look at that. Play, but, 
Well, I think we've made it through all NBA. We've made it through some of the playoff race. I mean, all NBA is going to be hard. There's just no, there's no bones about it. Even Beal is out now the next couple games as the Wizards try to hold on to 10 or maybe get nine uh, with Indiana in there too and hold off Chicago. So there's still stuff to be decided, honestly. But, um, you know, I, I do think once you start mapping it out, you get to see where the sort of line is between who's last in and who are, who are, who the group of 10 is for the last three spots. That's really what you're doing. Like, you know, 15 spots, 11 of them probably are going to be almost universal. And it's like four spots, 15 guys pick them. It's a matter of taste. It's in, it's, it does feel icky when guys money is involved. There's, there's no other way around it. It feels, it feels shitty. Do you think, do you think, you and I had Chris Paul as second team locks. I'm wondering if the larger community of voters, like he will be an absolute, like how many ballot, do you think Chris is on a hundred ballots? No, but I think he's in the nineties or eighties yeah. because I mean, last week there was the Chris Paul MVP uh, train got out of the station and you know, I look, I don't think Chris Paul is the MVP, <laughs> but I, I do think. All no, I'm, I'm laughing not because it's absurd. I'm laughing because it's not absurd, but like, yeah, I get it. So, so I think if that and that train got some momentum, it 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 flew past a couple of stations and and uh, and was was moving pretty fast. So I think if that if if there's Chris Paul MVP buzz, yeah, I think he's a no brainer All NBA and likely second team All NBA. And the numbers suggest he is driving winning there more mm-hmm. than anyone else on the team. Um, still has a chance at that number one seed, remarkably enough, because as they have the tiebreaker over Utah, and I think Coach of the Year will obviously come down. To Monty Williams and Tom Thibodeau, and like, how am I supposed to know who who's done a better job between those two guys? Let the other guy I would like to give a little love to and Coach of the Year, who I don't think is getting any love, is um is Mike Malone, because I think for Denver now they've fall they've slumped a little bit uh, of late. They've lost their last two games, but the way they withstood the Murray injury and the way they withstood you know Monty Morris is out, Will Barton is out. That's just a tough team. It's a tough minded team. It's a resilient team. And I think some of that emanates from him and his personality. And they they are now fourth. They had overtaken the Clippers for third, which would have been a hell of an accomplishment. I just think Mike Malone deserves a little love for third place in Coach of the Year. I mean, Quinn Snyder is probably the favorite to get third in Coach of the Year because I do think it will come down to Monty Williams and Tom Thibodeau. But I, I think Mike Malone's done a wonderful job. Yeah, it's my one of my least favorite. Awards a because I don't think we have the information. I think we know basically five percent of, of of what actually happens. And if you talk to people inside, maybe you have eight um, percent. And B, there's just a lot of good coaches. I mean, there's I I don't know. And look, I think Doc should get some consideration. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Like Philly's running away with a one. Um, and by the way, I think it's again. I think I, I as I expressed that I've been pleasantly surprised by them. I didn't think they had enough complete ball players to to play that well. Um, you know, it's funny. Like Quinn is sorry, yeah. Pencil them in for third, as if anybody had Utah in the top three this season, right? Like, like um, you if, just don't know what to do. Right. The, the Utah right. feels like this is years of of work, right? Built into a great season. Doc absolutely mm-hmm. deserves consideration for, to finish first. And you just look at you look at Phoenix and New York, and it's sort of unavoidable that like the Knicks feel like a Tom Thibodeau team, and the Suns feel like a Chris totally. Paul team. And and how do I navigate that? But again. You don't play with the kind of toughness. The Suns are tough. They're consistent. They're unrelenting. They don't screw up. And that's just not Chris Paul. That's everybody that gets in the game. And you don't play with that sort of steadiness and aspiration of perfection without the coach contributing not only the game plan, which I think Monty Williams is a good game planner, has done a nice job, 
but just a certain aura and personality and character. It's not just Chris Paul, even though their style and frankly, their disposition is very Chris Pauly. But the Knicks, so you just want to look at the Knicks. And say, well, that's a Tom Thibodeau team. They play hard on defense. They had no blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's hard to do. No, I mean, look, it's only been a couple years since I wrote the goat shit piece in Phoenix. And it's just, you know, you talk to people inside you, and it is just, it is a, it, a the, the trains are running on time, uh, which again, is a very much a Chris Paul quality, but it's also a Monty quality. And, and um, it's a, it, it's, it's remarkable. And by the way, I just love watching them play. And um, they're, yeah, they're, they're legitimately a third of the league has, has, has legitimate cases for coach of the year balloting um and it's an impossible and i always hate that award because i feel like i'm snubbing about you know no fewer than six or seven really really good coaches and i can't have my only defense yeah it's just not your year you know and, and i just don't even know what to do with the award it's tough all right kevin arnovitz what what can we read from you coming up do you want to do you want to mention anything you wrote a piece recently on cj mccollum that was quite yeah. good probably a couple weeks ago what else we, what else what can I, we pump up I'm, I'm working on a piece on 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 uh chris middleton who isn't on our ballot who's had a really kind of yeah last last few weeks um is uh yeah, yeah haven't been his best basketball but he's a player i really love watching and I, who i think is really interesting um, and I got some other stuff with KP in the works. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're gearing up for the playoffs, but uh, I will I will let you know. Playoffs are almost here. Play-in is almost here. I'm excited for the play-in. It's going to feel, it's nice to have a new thing. It's going to yeah. feel, it's going to feel not, because it's not going to feel like game seven, because game seven is this culmination of like two weeks of teams punching each other and adjusting. And it is winner take all, but that has a different feel. This is going to feel like something we haven't had in the NBA before. I think it's going to look and sound different. I think we probably have branding that's different for it. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to oh, be cool. It's going to be three or four really fun days. And I, I mean, as fun as it, it, it was essentially it's, it's a funny event because it was actually designed not for the event itself, but to enhance the months leading up to the event. And it has done that. But I actually think like the, the event itself is going to be a blast. I think it's kind of like a little like Thursday, Friday of March madness feel to it. Obviously there won't be these concurrent games, but in terms of sort of like, yes, the ultimate consequence at the end of the rainbow, isn't all that important. I mean, whether who gets to be the sacrificial lamb or, or maybe not. I mean, maybe this is a stupid question and I am not TV ratings guy. And I generally find TV ratings discourse, not all that interesting. I, so maybe this is a completely idiotic question, but would Lakers warriors. Oh, yeah. Seven would would that like outrate a finals game? Would 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 it would it be seventy five percent of a finals game depending on who the finals teams are? Like what, what I, I I'm like is that a is that a capital E event for sports fans? I I don't even know. I is have it, no idea what kind of number these games do, do, are ca- draw. Do, do do enough fans know that this is happening? Like I, I like casual fans who are like you know mostly baseball football fans, but they'll tune in for a huge NBA playoff game. Like do they? Has the play-in sunk into them? That the, I, I, but that seems like you can't get a bigger play-in game than that, unless they were to play, you know, with with both teams one loss away from being out of it. It was funny too because we had one of these like five on five several several I think a couple months ago like which which play-in combination do you want to see and kind of for shits and giggles I said yeah Lakers Warriors it would be great you know with, with no conviction that it would happen I wasn't like gaming out the thing but it, it, sure enough it, it might very well I think it's huge I mean you mar- I mean you sell it as essentially a, an elimination challenge on a, on a reality show I mean effectively I mean would um, it outrate a Suns Bucks Finals game. I, I don't. I have no idea. It That's a really I, good question. It wouldn't outrate a LeBron Finals game, I don't think. But um, um, yeah, I think 
it, it probably look on a Friday night. It probably would. I don't know. Who knows? Interesting stuff. All right, KA. Thank you for your time. As always, it's good to have you back on the Low Post Podcast. Kevin Arnovich, you read his stuff, listen to him. You know the drill. Thank you, Mr. Arnovich. Thanks for having me. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.